Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Game's premier and longest-running Pokemon podcast. My name is J.W. Crewall, and I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Mahone. Andrew, how are you doing today? Doing great. Um, chilling this evening. I uh, got to play Pokemon cards all day today, which is usually what I do. But I got to play tabletop today, so... It was a it was a great day working on post rotation decks and content for the YouTube channel, which has been very exciting, and uh, I'm I'm having a good time with it. How are you doing, JW? I'm doing okay. You know, we had a fun weekend in Knoxville this last weekend. Got we I think did. I feel like for we go out to eat, and this is not an indictment because I actually did I do most of the time like Mexican food. But every time we go out to eat, it's probably like 80% of the time Mexican is the choice. Of course. I And I felt bad because, you know, you kind of had, of the three that went, you, me, and Jesse, <laughs> to Knoxville, you had, you know, you needed the pick-me-up, right? So it was, <laughs> not to say it was a pity Mexican choice, but, you know, it just, I, oh, I you do. let me pick Mexican. I do wish because... that we would expand. <laughs> we went to a place called Soccer Taco. Okay. No, Soccer Taco was kind of fire, though. It wasn't even bad. Soccer Taco. I mean, Soccer but. Soccer Taco kind of slap. I mean, it was good. I, granted. I mean, that's the thing, though, is that the menu at Mexican restaurants, most Mexican restaurants, you're just going to have some kind of tortilla. They're going to put, you know, beans, rice on your plate, and then a mound of lettuce maybe some guac or sour cream. And then it's just, you know, a meat, a melted cheese and fried or and a meat melted cheese and, you know, uh, not fried or meat melted cheese slathered in like a red sauce. It, I mean, it just really, I'm not the... going to stand for any of this slander. Okay. I'm just not, when you got food figured out, <laughs> why why mess with it okay. well that's kind they of the thing right? well, I... they got the chips and salsa okay. are free they just come out with the chips and salsa that's so... part of why i love the vibes of the mexican restaurant are supreme the mexican restaurant vibes cannot be defeated they bring out the margaritas they bring out the chips with the salsa you don't even have to pay for the chips and the salsa if you're at a good spot then you can get the queso you get the guacamole then you know let's let's get the tacos going and these places are usually open late. You can walk in at any time and they'll serve you. It's just like, it's the best thing. I'm just so, okay. If they, if they have it figured out, if they have it figured out, riddle me this. Why is the menu like four folds long? Well, cause there's why do you need, it's all the same stuff. The same ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, a you're just like, different... it's, have you ever seen, have you ever seen this TikTok? It's called roll for sandwich. And the guy no, puts the dye in and he's like, TikTok, okay, bro. Okay, well, th thank goodness first of all, because I think your brain just probably healthier for it. Right out, of yes, absolutely, absolutely. Can't recommend not having a TikTok enough. But he makes his sandwiches uh, based on the dice rolls, as in, a la D and D, right? So he'll have twenty options for bread, and he'll have twenty options for, you know, meat, and he'll have twenty options for the cheese, and twenty options for additional. It's like the Mexican you know that, that's mexican basically what the mexican randomizer i mean that's what i'm right. saying yes there's a randomizer and then like but you have okay you have burritos you have tacos you have chimichangas you have uh taquitos i mean you have quesadillas there's i mean there's there's different ways to package 
the same ingredients. Okay, they're they're different different vibes of the same ingredients. So like you pick your favorite way to enjoy the ingredients, and then you enjoy them that way. And then each one has its own. You know, you can get a steak quesadilla, you chicken quesadilla, chorizo. You know, I mean, like all the different meats, right? It's. I mean, I I. Anytime I am picking the spot, it's gonna be Mexican. That's just what right. it is. And I didn't pretty much, mind unless it. I'm I, in it a place actually... where, unless I'm in a place like Utah, I'm not getting the Mexican food in Utah. Like, I mean, sorry, the mar- I will say Utah, the, like, the margarita I'm that we got was that... the margarita that we got was was pretty good. You said it was like high shelf. I don't know what went into the margarita, but it it was quite nice. That was one of the better uh, margaritas because it wasn't too tart. Um. It was a little sweet. I like the sweet margaritas, so I will say that was that was quite quite a treat. It was, good. It was the top shelf, the top shelf margarita. Yeah, but I don't even know what that is. Maybe it was uh, probably had Patron know. in it. Patron? Oh, probably. Well, that oh, or fancy. whatever their top shelf is, but that's usually <laughs> the top shelf. <laughs> usually the, the top shelf. <laughs> Oh, that's good. So, yeah, yeah, so we went out no to No offense eat. to anybody who lives in Utah. What I'm trying to say is there are yeah, some places true. where maybe the Mexican food is not as good. And maybe it's really good in Utah. I don't actually know. I just picked, like, one of the whitest places I could think of. <laughs> I would say, like, yeah, I don't know. Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And correct, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I just, you know... That was just the spot. I hear horrible <laughs> things about the Mexican restaurants in Saskatchewan. I don't, where is that? Ooh, where is Saskatchewan? Somebody get Andrew a map of North America. That's in Canada, my brother. It's in Canada. Yeah. I yeah, would have guessed. It's a province. Canada. Yeah. Well, there you yes. go. Okay. Well, as well long the, as further you get, it. the further you get from the source, you have to imagine. I mean, like, I've had, you know, the Mexican food in, in Texas and, and, uh, um, in uh, Southern California is like, I mean, that's out of this world, right? I mean, because it's more authentic, right? In Ohio, <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, <laughs> not great. yeah I'm a fan, you know, because we got that Midwestern, you know, that Midwestern. We got that Midwestern vibe Mexican going bro. on. You know, it's just like, <laughs> which it's a whole vibe. It's 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 different thing, and it's it's fine. It's cool. It's good. I, I yeah. rock with it for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. So, yeah, we, uh, you know, did obviously go out to, obviously, I say obviously, go out to Mexican. You can probably count on that any uh, future tournament that we go to. Uh, after the first day of competition, um, it was it was a tournament, Andrew. It was a tournament in Knoxville, and we're going to recap that and kind of where the meta shifts from here because we still have six, seven weeks in this format, even though there's – only one more North American regional left in Vancouver, which you're actually going to be attending, at least hoping to. I probably, I, I might, you know. I really enjoyed Vancouver last year. Uh, it is just like a really big break, and I'm not going to EOIC this year. So I might go to Vancouver um, and just uh, see what happens. Is kind of like a last hurrah for this format. I'm not registered yet, so I have to get into Wave 2, which, you know, goes up on thursday i think but if i get into wave two i might just go i really enjoyed it in vancouver last year i think it's a cool city so um we'll see yeah very cool well we uh we played a tournament we played different lists every one of the group played a different list in knoxville which it's just like a failure what are we doing not a failure because i i do tend to you know selfishly enough do well with my own lists 
<laughs> AKA changing one card without telling anyone or two cards without telling anyone in, in the group. And then somehow it just always works out for me that way. But uh, this was a failure by the group to come to a consensus on what we felt was the best deck. Both Jesse and I had put time into Roaring Moon. Uh, Jesse had actually played it into Charlotte. And so I thought there might be a defection there uh, to go to, you know, something else. Maybe join you with Mew. Obviously, Andrew mm -hmm. uh, did kind of break away entirely from from what Jesse and I thought would be a viable archetype for the tournament in Roaring Moon. And Andrew, you played Mew. So walk us through maybe a little bit of what you were thinking. I, I got the text in the morning as I woke up, I think, where Andrew's saying, oh, yeah, I totally changed my deck. I've submitted Mew for this tournament. I know. I know. And I, I have regrets about it. I, I, well, I felt like I had unfinished business with Mew from, uh, from Charlotte. I was really happy with how the deck was performing and how it felt to play in Charlotte. And I lost my winning into top 32. It was the biggest regional ever, you know, I, and I felt confident with the deck. And that was something that I was like, okay, well, I feel confident. I know the list in and out. Um, I know the matchups in and out and, uh, I'd been putting in a lot of time. And if you've been watching me on mm -hmm. stream, like I have been trying to like get myself to fall in love with Roaring Moon. It just, it hasn't quite happened yet. I understand that the deck has, you know, high end potential and is, and is strong, but, uh, I guess the necessary things, I don't love it as much as I love Mew. I do. I just love playing Mew. I think it's, uh. I think it's a really fun deck with good comeback potential. And Mew is about to be gone forever. So I felt like I had unfinished business from uh from Charlotte. And then I got I just got cold feet with Mew. I with uh with Roaring Moon. I had the list submitted. We played the night before. I was kinda ready to go with it. I had yeah. the I had the deck submitted and everything, and then did something I never do. I never do this. I never do this. I never just like change at the last second. But then for this time, I just did. Well, and it was just it was really interesting because because I feel like from our testing the night before, we had kind of figured it out. I guess like I, I felt like we had come to a consensus relatively early in the night. Uh, I think about you know six or seven, and so I thought everybody was like cool on playing moon and i thought we had kind of come to that agreement that yes moon would be a really good choice for this event and maybe all that would change would be maybe some slight tweaks i know jesse had been uh, really enjoying ross's list i had been playing lists with catchers and so maybe there would be some discrepancy in like the final list that we submitted but it was interesting because i felt like we had kind of come to that understanding of like oh yeah moon can you know ha does have bad matchups but it can beat the bad matchups and uh just general um agreement that it was one of the stronger plays for knoxville yeah i just i just couldn't i couldn't send it and i wish i had you ended up being right you did well jesse did well i lost my winning in today too it was an extremely toxic environment for you but I felt good playing it i did i was up against some really tough matchups. I played against like a whole bunch of spirit tombs, uh, Giratina V star yeah. decks with spirit tomb yeah. in it. I mean, there was well, just that, no that was what worried me about playing Mew because I'm also, I mean, we played Mew for a ton of mm -hmm. last season. Right. And so I was really excited, like 
at the potential of, of playing Mew because I think it's always a threat. It's always a deck that can take down any tournament. But my thought for the meta was that there was going to be a response to Mew uh, after it won in Europe the week prior that, uh, you know, I mean, my biggest thing was going to be Giratina with Spiritomb and just random Spiritomb in other, in other decks. But when you combine the path and the Spiritomb and the one-shot potential of Giratina, that is just really sus. And I was not interested in, in figuring out how that, you know, how bad that was going to be for me. Yeah. And I think, yeah, uh, I can't really explain it other than i just kind of like mew and wanted to play it one more time that's just really what it was and the fact that i was just trying i was trying for weeks on tcg live to like get myself to like fall in love with moon and to feel like it was that deck right but i never had a single day with it where i was just like oh this deck is flowing it's it's winning all the matchups i needed to win i've had days like that on stream with mew i've had days like that with maridon i've had days like that uh I've almost had days like that, like that with Tina. I've never had a day like that with Moon, where I was just like, oh, yeah, this day was full of games where I was like, I felt in command, where I was just whooping things left and right. Like, and, I've, and it, it was not from lack of trying. Like, I, I've been trying. So uh, I understand the deck's power level, and, and I do wish that I had that I had just sucked it up and played it. Tor ultimately, tournament play is different than playing online. Um and, you know, when you have to sit down and actually play a best of three in 50 minutes, um, the, you know, things can things can go differently uh, than just random single games that you play on TCG Live. But uh, but it's it is what it is. Uh, I wish that I had just decided to suck it up and play Moon. Uh, that obviously, it worked out really well for uh, for you and Jesse. Jesse ID'd his last round into top 32. You were able to finish 10th overall. Uh, you had a shot for top 8 for a little while there in, in day 2 with a strong day 1 start. So I'm excited to hear about how your guys' event went. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I, I admit it. I admit it that I was wrong about Moon. I'll go ahead and say I'll swallow my pride. I'll bend the knee. Thank you. Roaring Thank Moon you. was that deck. And you were right. I was you right. Were yes, right. Yes. Because even and Jesse I was, yes. was wrong. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's good. That's good. And that you can. You we can had to get that very clear. I know. We can yeah. stop with the bit. That was a bit uh, that we had going on throughout the weekend, is, you know, obviously since I was the, the Roaring Moon, uh, as Riley would call it, Snake Oil Salesman. Uh, and really I was funny. correct. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it, it was interesting, right? Because I, I was kind of feeling Mew a little bit the night before, right? We were doing our testing, and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like, I, I could see Mew. Like, I love Judge Path, but I knew I couldn't play it. Mm -hmm. I can't give a master class to and 60 then people. And not play the deck. <laughs> And then not play the deck. Although I did give fair warning to everyone that attended, but it just wouldn't have been right. So I opted for the moon and I opted for a little bit of a different list. Now, Jesse went with kind of the, the classic, the standard Ross list with three trekking shoes, no Pokemon catcher. I was very convinced of Pokemon catcher. I had uh, coached a couple of players uh, at Charlotte 
to you know play Pokemon Catcher because I thought it was very good in Moon and one of them got top 16, one of them got top 64, and I felt really convicted that the catchers were a way to swing some of your bad matchups. Uh, the mirror really sucks if you don't play catcher because you're relying on boss, but you also want to get the first knockout. So you're in this weird spot where you want to go second, but you're you want to use boss as your first turn supporter, but you you know you need to draw cards to get your attacker set up so it, it just becomes really weird without the catchers and then there are other matchups certainly like arceus where catchers are really helpful things like um guard of war with where catchers can be helpful charizard where catchers can be very helpful so there's a number of matchups i mean even you think about giratina and chasing down those v's catchers can be very helpful so there's a number of matchups where catchers make a lot of sense and i opted to play two with two trekking shoes not very far off of the kind of testing list that I had been uh, that I had given out in that masterclass. So to kind of give a perspective on the entire tournament, I played in day one five players that would go on to day two, which is I feel very high um, historically for other tournaments that I have have attended. Nice. I mean, five of the players, so more than half of my day one players were good enough to play in day, day two. And, uh, again, like no slouches really, um, at any point in the tournament, I played great players, um, or at least, you know, competent players that knew their deck that were, um, you know, there that had a reasonable shot to, uh, to make day two all in, in that day one of competition. And then day two, it kind of went, uh, slightly off the rails, slightly earlier than expected. I finished day one, seven, one, and one felt like I was in a really good spot to, make a top eight run because that's why i'm here i'm not here to just make it to day two i'm here to win the tournament so seven one one sets you up gives you a little bit of leeway especially in a tournament of this size where it's not i don't know it's not like a giga tournament right like charlotte was like just like the, the ultimate just a monster event. turn yeah. you know this this feels like very reasonable right so yeah. 35 points ended up being that cutoff and coming into day two with um 22 points means that you could take a loss and then tie and then win four and have a shot at a reasonable shot at top eight right so seven one one good record to come into but i ended up losing to um a couple decks in my first three rounds first round in day two was tyler matthews he was playing an Entei valiant deck i don't really know exactly how to feel about the matchup but what happened in our games was that i basically just dead drew and uh didn't set up attackers like i was getting like turn three turn four attacks and he was just able yeah it was it was rough and then he was able to just mount a, a lot of pressure uh from his side of the field and then in round number around i won round number 11 and then in round number 12 i played lucas jing which i will admit in game two he outplayed me i am not he i mean this guy has been playing the Baxcalibur Chen Pao deck for, I don't know, since its release. Would that be fair? And he knows every route. He knows all the lines. And it's kind of another example of taking one deck and just playing it to the extreme and knowing how to do everything in every single matchup, knowing how to come back, knowing your routes. There was a point in game two he had passed on his turn one, having only two Frigibacks in play. And I had my supporter and I had my turn one attack and I still lost because he was able to find a route that uh, included both uh, like sniping two of my bench Pokemon with a Radiant Greninja 
and then building up one final attacker for the final knockout, which was crazy. I mean, he drew pretty well, granted. Uh, it seemed like he always had the answer, but at the same time, he was able to find uh, find the routes in games that most people would lose. So I, I give him a lot of credit for, um, you know, what I would consider outplaying me in that round. And so that put me out of top eight contention, but obviously I knew that there was still money on the table. The top 32 was very reasonable expectation if you go in at a at a 7-1-1 record so i was looking at that round 13 played a an arceus deck handily i say handily but it, it was actually pretty close uh, <laughs> <laughs> i beat the arceus deck as you should but it got kind of testy there at the end of game one game two i did roll and then round 14 was a moon mirror now i gotta say the moon mirror is horrible probably one of the worst mirrors that I've ever played because it's just over so fast. It's two, two, two. Once one deck takes the first two prize knockout, it's practically impossible to come back from. There yep. are plays you can make, uh, you know, if a Mayono hole. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but even then it's like, it's so impossible because the, right. the, um, Moltres in that matchup is a very viable attacker as well. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there are certain things you can do, like Iono plus a Morpeko knockout if they use Roaring Moon yeah, uh, and yeah. gouge themselves and and don't have a tool attached. Like, it's like very specific things that you can do if, you come, if you're behind. Uh, and then you have to Iono them and hope they don't have a gust. Um, but it was just very unusual. And game number two of the round 14 matchup in Mirror that I played against Connor Finton, I like misplayed very hard game two, like two or three different times. It was just like retreating. Wow. <laughs> I, I mean, no, I, I, I'm trying to like be as honest as possible. Like so I did not play. Me, I don't even have to be good to do well with Roaring Moon. That's what you should have told me. No, what I am going to tell you is that what I am going to tell you is that my deck building saved me. And oh <laughs> I flipped the heads on catcher at the end of the game for a 50, 50 shot to win or lose immediately. And uh, I did win in game two. And then game three just got kind of funky because he prized one of his one prizers. And I was able to take advantage of that. Cause a lot of times in that match, if you just want to get your one prizers out, you prevent a rope play, um, you know, and you force them to, you're, you're kind of playing a game of chicken, whoever can find their boss or their catchers first. So it was very weird, very weird game in uh in game number two and then ultimately came out with the dub in game number three and then round 15 my opponent sits down and asks for the id at this point we could both pretty safely guarantee that we get top 32 if we id and i look him dead in the eye and i say Yay. who do you think i am <laughs> No, I, I, I'm a little more respectful. Uh, you know, obviously I, you know, Pokestats Live is a heck of a, heck of a software. Uh, heck oh, of you a, were heck able to see website. your matchup. You, were you know, you're able it. to see yeah. the matchup coming into it. And I think even if I hadn't been able to see the matchup, like I would have been, okay, let's, I, I would at least like to know what you're playing. So at least if we flip over the starting Pokemon, like I can make a more informed decision. Um, and that's probably what I would have done pre pokestats live but knowing what my opponent's playing it just made it so that you know i knew i had to play it out for for the extra grand and you know i gotta feed my family but uh caden caden was really great he totally dead true i mean it was really like it, it was not i don't want to say it wasn't fair because obviously all games are fair 
uh, in the sense that we're all under the same you know parameters and tina did uh, tina stuff things like that yeah tina did tina stuff in the worst possible moment right he yeah. he didn't take uh-huh. a game off me it was just two really like quick games wasn't really finding his courses wasn't able to chain attackers i was just chasing down his his tinas and flipping heads on catcher and it just was like abysmal and uh you know i felt bad obviously like you you're you're taking away someone if he had played against most anyone else like jesse for instance did take an id in his last round against a tina player and so, you know, he just he just ran into the buzzsaw. That's right. <laughs> but you're here to play, ultimately. Take no prisoners. Yeah, I not, think, you know, are you I, not I am, here to I play? Am. Are you not yeah, here to play? I have, we flew out here to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I have so I love few, that yeah. I have so few opportunities. And I think coming into like it would be so easy to start the tournament and say, Oh yeah, I'm gonna play every round. You know, I'm not IDing in round nine. I'm you know, and and say all this stuff and then when it actually gets into crunch time you'd be like, Well, I could just take the grand, you know, take my top thirty two if we ID, like that would be fine. But I you know, you have to I think and this goes for the people listening at home, like take that mentality all the way to the finish line. If you're saying, you know, in round number one that you're gonna play every round in day one to try to do the best that you can to set yourself up for a day two run, then I, I think that can carry over into day two. Now, obviously your priorities can change, but for me it was to do as well as I could. So I finished with 34 points, which put me, you know, not on a bubble by any means, but 10th place overall getting that top 16 finish. And I felt good about it. I felt really good about uh, the finish yeah, again. It's a solid finish, man. You know, considering the play, I, I really didn't think that I played very well overall again we talked about the God, round 12 I, wish I played moon holy smokes i played so tight with view and finished five three one i played so good dude i mean there were a lot of games <laughs> there were a lot of games where i played really well um there were some games where the matchup is just so hard uh for them to win like the arceus decks yeah. I, not not impossible for them to win there were some tight moments but it's very hard when you're just one-shotting they're huge dudes that they're expecting to keep alive for multiple turns the mirror is just a crapshoot straight yeah. up so i was able to go 2-1 in the mirror and then you i played a couple of tinas i didn't play a single charizard over the course of the day um so you know ultimately i, I do feel like overall i played well but there were things that i could have done better certainly and that's a good attitude to have. I mean, because there's always room for improvement uh, in, uh, in in play. Despite it being a incredibly tough day from you, I think the top placing Mew uh, deck at Knoxville was 50th uh, place. <laughs> this is after coming off of a win the weekend prior, and uh, I didn't. I guess I didn't quite give enough credit to how much the meta would shift in seven days' time um to be so toxic for mew uh at this point i kind of just assume mew can just kind of power through everything i really believe in the deck like that and in a lot of ways it does and for the people who just kind of play mew weekend in and weekend out they just weather these tournaments they're just like oh yeah just it's just part of the deal and then we'll be back you know (laughs) we'll we'll be back and and they don't sweat it uh but for me i'm not as locked into a single deck like that as some people are. And uh, I do like to kind of mix things up and try to figure out what, you know, what the best play for me for any event is. And uh, to just run into a brick wall like this with Mew was pretty tough. I did still make it to five, two and one. 
Um, and then uh, play my winning into day two. Uh, I played against a, a Lost Box deck with Roaring Moon and Galarian Moltres in it and uh, had a rough start game one. They won game one. Game two, I, I just outplayed my opponents as they were kind of doing some very questionable plays and was able to kind of just outmaneuver them. And then in game three, I went second. My opponent chose to go first. And I just opened single Mew, single Genesec, pass. Just the absolute nightmare. You're winning into game, you know, today too, and you just have two Pokemon as Mew pass with nothing to do, no supporter, no VIP pass, no nothing. And my opponent was able to get a turn two Galarian Moltres to knock out my only Mew. Just absolutely <laughs> devastating. I'm like, this is how the run ends, huh? This is just what we're doing here. And I top deck like an Ultra Ball so I can continue playing. I'm able to establish a board that next turn and get some guys out, but I cannot attack because my only Mew just got knocked out. So they end up going up four prizes with just a single Galarian Moltres before I can answer it. And I'm able to Iono. I mount this huge yep. comeback. I bring it down to a single prize. And my opponent still is able to just... Because all they have to do, they got six prizes to come up they with one more knockout. One and then sure yep. enough, you know, by the time I got to one prize remaining... They were finally able to piece together like a Raihan Mirage Gate and just, you know, uh, win the game. So that was a little bit of a heartbreaker, but it's okay. I feel like I, I feel like I, so long as you can kind of take something away from an experience like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've talked about this at length because when we were out to Mexican and kind of enjoying ourselves and, and having, having food yeah. uh, and drinks and stuff, um, you know, for me, uh, the first half of this season is really has been a little bit of like a mental break for me. I kind of just been going through the motions and uh, not forcing it um, because sure. I felt like, I mean, it, my last year I was flying all over the place, playing in all these different tournaments. I got my invite relatively early. I got a top 16 stipend, which is something I'd never done before. I went to two different international championships and I got top 32 at Worlds, you know, and it was very kind of climactic at Japan, but it's like this ride that never stops, right? The next season actually starts before Worlds happens. So as, you know, so it's like the, the ride never stops. So if you need like a mental break or kind of like, you know, to like to mentally work out, you just have to like take, you just have to stop, right? You have to, mm -hmm. or else it just will keep going and the tournaments just keep coming. And, and all of that. So for the last six months, I've been going to events because I feel like it's my job, right? Like I'm a Pokemon content creator. I just, I, they feel like conferences <laughs> that I have. Yeah, to right, right. Uh, Networking. Like kind of what, <laughs> they go, I write them off on my taxes. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> sure do. Yeah, so they, uh, so, so I do feel like I've kind of been just going through the motions the last six months or so, but um, things are starting to click again and I'm, I'm feeling motivated again and kind of ready to roll, especially with rotation and uh, the back half of the season. I'm very excited about rotation, very excited about the new format, the new decks and things like that in it. And, and I feel ready to like fully invest myself again and really give it my all for like the next, you know, however long between here and, and, uh, and worlds or so. So um, I still don't know if I'm like gunning for the invite. Um, you know, am I going to go out to league cups? Like, uh every weekend it probably not i just got other things that i'm working on right now yeah as far as like content and just my home life goes like i'm really not trying to spend every single weekend away yeah uh, well, especially if i'm traveling 
That's the craziest thing. I mean, I think about my season and I'm so glad that Pokemon put in an auto invite because if yeah. I look at my, I've been to four regionals four only four, right? Only four. Yeah. I got a top 128, not a great finish, but top 16, top four and a win. I would be about 70% of the way to an invite yeah. under the current like point totals. Right. Right. And that just is, that blows my mind. That, like, to have, in my opinion, right, and then other people can a think correct of things. Opinion. You have a correct opinion. Uh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I've yeah. been known to have those. Yes. In my opinion, having, the, you know, the season that I've had, like, I, I feel like that is, like, world's caliber. But then to be as far away as, you know, like, to have that resume, and again, you obviously get the automatic qualification from winning a regional but uh to be that far away like point total wise from the actual barometer the 600 points in north america it's like kind of crazy to me i just think about oh it. for sure yeah, yeah yeah i think about that yeah so i mean you're when you're saying like yeah i don't want to be spending every single week traveling and you know doing locals and i i get that man like that's you know, what i'm saying people like gotta people, have, people gotta have lives and i don't think the then it comes, i don't think the right? structure We're i don't think the structure grind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. think the structure really uh, benefits the best performing players. It benefits the players that are willing to track grind the most. most. And yeah, grind. I mean, grind, grind, right. It rewards the grind, which is like, and that's, that's, it's kind of for the most part been that way um, ever yeah. since they adopted the championship point structure instead of the ELO structure. And the ELO structure had its own problems. Uh, I mean, the, sure. the point structure is much better. Just yes, for those of you that don't know, World's yeah. Invites used to be like the top 40 players based on ELO rankings. That's right, ELO rankings, which is like your win-loss ratio. And So the problem with that is that you'd have a lot of players gaming the system. I was just, I don't know if we were talking about this or I was talking about this with somebody else. But what would happen is players would intentionally show up to tournaments late because... Uh, losses due to showing up late would not count against your elo however what would happen is generally the players at 1-0 in any given tournament are better than the players that start 0-1 just again generally speaking so you're getting a little bit of a boost by showing up late one or two rounds playing against worse potentially more than likely worse competition racking up the wins and then ultimately dropping before the end of the event when you are starting to play those better players so it became this whole weird system and and probably uh deserves its own episode at some point but it became this whole weird it's system of trying to game the system and trying to play as little pokemon as possible to retain your high elo ranking yep so obviously they can that because there were people <laughs> gaming the system hardcore and it was a mess. Yeah. Yeah. So wild. But wild you know what's you know what's not a mess, JW. Our My... sponsors <laughs> and manscaped. Yeah, you know what's not a mess is my pubic hair. Because <laughs> of the amazing products at Manscaped. I just got the uh, ear and nose hair trimmer in. I just I just ordered this product, man, and it is fantastic. Being able to just get all those 
yeah, little yeah. hairs out of my nose. I love the lawnmower I use for my uh, for my underarms and for my, uh, you know, for my down there. It's just uh, it's fantastic products. Really love them. Yeah, they're they're really great. High quality. I haven't had any issues with them. Uh, from my personal experience, I think they are just some of the, the best in the business when it comes to men's grooming. So if you want to get your hands on some products, we have a discount code for you. 20% off at manscaped.com use code tag team at checkout you're also going to get free shipping so if you hate paying for shipping you hate you know paying that extra fee use our code tag team at checkout that's going to get you 20 percent off any product in the store plus free shipping so we thank manscaped so much for sponsoring the cast all right, looking forward. Um, moon, I mean, it was crazy how much moon there was. I just, I noticed it in day one. I noticed it just from sitting at the tables. It was like, I turn oh, yeah. to my right, there's a moon mirror match. I turn to my left, there's a couple of tables that have a moon involved somewhere. It was just everywhere, it felt mm-hmm. like, in day one. Um, and certainly kind of congregating toward the top, I felt. Uh, and that, you know, proved to be true. I look at the stats from Pokestats. For the day one, day two, 20% of the decks in day two were Roaring Moon, and that was the most represented deck in day two. So walk me through that, Andrew. What do you think about Roaring Moon's comeuppance in Knoxville? I, I had felt like it was a deck that was gaining steam, gaining steam. Charlotte was a really good time to play it. We had five in the top 32, most represented deck in mm-hmm. top 32. But I, I feel like there were still uh, maybe some players discounting it. How do you feel coming out of Knoxville about the deck? So I feel like it was just a really good time, uh, a really good time to play Roaring Moon. And this is something that we had chatted about. Does Roaring Moon actually hold up to scrutiny, right? Like, does Roaring Moon actually hold its position as this top deck if players are taking it seriously, right? If good competitive players are taking this deck seriously and aiming to beat it, does it hold up to scrutiny? And... uh. I mean, as we saw, Roaring Moon was like one of the most popular decks for the event. One of the top decks in day two doesn't win. Guardy wins. Why? Because it's got a phenomenal Roaring Moon matchup. And I think that this is kind of like the crux of why I never really liked Roaring Moon in this format. Because I always respected Guardy as like a top three deck in this format. And at the beginning of the format, if you follow me all the way back to my journey to LAIC which kind of is where this format begins. The only thing that's changed is now there's Paldean Fates, right? Which has added effectively nothing. So at the beginning of this format at LAIC, I come to the conclusion along with almost everybody else at this event, that Gardevoir is just like the nuts deck in the format and can do no wrong and destroys everything. So like Gardevoir was the most played deck at that event. Uh, it, It was insane how powerful Gardevoir was and it was kind of this this reckoning with Gardevoir but then the decks that did the best at LAIC were Maridon and Ente Valiant because those were the decks that could beat Gardevoir and since then the format has kind of uh, has twisted and turned uh, there was Maridon was popular for a little while because it had a good uh, because it had a good Gardevoir matchup with the Iron Hands but then that's where Charizard really came in, right? And Charizard started dominating because Charizard has a fantastic Maridon matchup. It can hold its own against Guardi. And it's at that point then that, that Tina starts coming in because Tina can beat 
uh, Charizard. It can kind of beat Maridon sometimes. It can beat Gardevoir. It can hold its own against Gardevoir. And it's in this perfect storm right here that Roaring Moon is ready to strike again when Gardevoir is at its weakest, right? When you've got Tina, you've got Maridon, and you've got Charizard are kind of the big three. And when Gardevoir is not so much in the picture, and hopefully Mew is in the picture too, right? Um, and, and hopefully Gardevoir is not as, as prevalent. And Lost Box mm-hmm. decks are not Lost Box like Sablezard decks um, or Lost, Lost Zone Toolbox decks with like the, the super effective glasses, that kind of stuff. You know, that stuff's not as, as hype. It's just the big two prize guys. Uh, a lot of those decks, Arceus stuff, you know, things like that. That's the format that Roaring Moon was made for. And I just always felt like that that's not really what the format is, but it is what the format has been for the last few weeks. And that's where the format has ended up. And and I feel like Roaring Moon is just a deck that really capitalizes on that and takes advantage of that. But will the format stay there? Will Roaring Moon hold up to scrutiny? Can it actually shake off its bad matchups and remain a top, you know, a top three deck going into the final weeks of this format? Um, I mean, yeah, those are all the questions I'm trying to answer going to Vancouver. Right. It's. I mean, it's really interesting. I think to give the that kind of answer to that question, we'd look at the top eight. Uh, we had a couple of Gardevoir. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Gardevoir winning. Ryan Antonucci, congrats to him for a uh, win with Gardevoir. And then, of course, he played Aiden Koos in the finals. Aiden was playing his Lost Zone Box Kyogre deck, which was very cool. There were a couple of Giratina Lost Boxes in the top eight. A couple of Roaring Moon also in the top eight. And then Tyler Matthews, who who I played in my first round of day two with his anti-Iron Valiant that I actually felt like could go maybe a, a little deeper than he did, but you know that I, I I didn't end up watching any of uh, of, of that top eight match. So it was it was quite a uh, quite a tournament for like we said Moon three players in the top ten <laughs> of the tournament playing Moon. Uh, and I'll, then... I'll allow it. Listen, man, I already I, I just have to allow it. <laughs> I just have to allow. I'm allow it today. Listen, I told you I'm bending the knee today. Whatever, dude. Yep, say what you want right. to say. That's yeah, right. three that's in the right. top ten. Uh huh. Cool. <laughs> I've got no comments. <laughs> and then uh, and then a couple of guard. I mean, I, I agree with you when you're saying like guard of war is now, you know, it's at its lowest. So then there's all the, all these other counter decks that are coming up. And now guard of war, um, you know, maybe is losing some of the bad matchups that it maybe once had. And it's, it's time now. The meta has churned enough that we're kind of back to this meta where Gardevoir makes a lot of sense. Lost Box decks make a lot of sense, particularly Kyogre. I think a deck like Kyogre Lost Box can take advantage of the two the big two prize decks, things like Valiant and Moon, to be able to take those four prizes towards the end of the game. I think that's very reasonable to expect. And we also saw Azul Garcia Griego get ninth. Uh, with a lost box deck very similar to Aiden's with the uh, with the Kyogre in there so um, you know certainly again a lot of what you're talking about with this churn of the metagame and decks that were high at the start kind of falling off coming back around it's really playing out here in the Knoxville uh, really played out here I should say in the Knoxville format absolutely so 
where to next. I mean, we've got Dartmouth this uh, this weekend, which, um, I mean, obviously none of us are going to be attending. I saw some American players are making the trip out, which is funny. I always wonder, like, what do these guys actually do for a living? <laughs> Y'all ever, uh, you know, you guys got jobs? Like, what's up? What's up? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it, it is interesting that the full-time professional Pokemon player is not taking more trips right but uh well i mean things that i i do have to make financial sense right <laughs> it's just like you know, you know uh i i you know am, am married have a home and like yeah okay so like it's like i'll pay a thousand dollars for a flight and i might make that money back or i might not like you know uh things have to make sense and uh, I got to give myself time to work. I mean, that's the other thing is like when you're at events, who you're not needs work. it, bro? Come what do you on, mean? who needs you're it? Working, crazy, I, I, dude. Make a living. I'm loving the the you know the unemployed life, man. Mm, it's oh, yeah, kind of nice, dude. Collecting a check from the government every week. You <laughs> know, free health care. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's definitely some positive benefits to it. I gotta say. <laughs> more time for testing <laughs> more time for testing that's more time right to spend with your daughter and your wife chick-fil-a and the library i mean yeah it's pretty it's pretty nice but so there's dartmouth this weekend and then yeah. there's uh and then there's vancouver and i think i probably will be going to vancouver and i i have to see i mean where where the meta is kind of like shaping up at this point vancouver will be i think the last major event in this format so it could mm -hmm. be a last hurrah for a lot of players who are looking to just kind of play their favorite deck and you know i'll we'll have to keep our eyes on on what these other few events are doing but vancouver's so far from now i mean it's uh it's the 22nd to 24th weekend that's like six weeks and we were just talking about how much the meta can change in a single week I mean, from last weekend where Mew VMAX won to this weekend where Mew VMAX got 50th place. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think I'm not ready to, like, make my my call as to, like, exactly what 60 I'm going to be playing in six weeks. I think I'm going to have to, like, let the kind of wheel of the metagame turn a little bit more. But I do feel like at this point I've seen the meta kind of come full circle and right. kind of understand the different points that the meta game can be at. Like if X and Y are going to be popular, then let's play Z. If Z and, and this other deck are going to be popular, let's play X. Right. So like, Andrew's I, I feel struggling like to think of another letter. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I was already, what comes Z. after Z? What comes after Z? Z? What comes after Z? <laughs> oh God. Think, think. Yes. So, I, I think that uh, I am interested in Ente Valiant, though. That's like, that seems that, like a fun okay, deck. So, I, I would, like, love yeah, to man. play that deck. Yeah, man. Okay, so I, I some of my um, – from playing Moon, some of my uh, reactions to my opponent's deck, I did not – I haven't touched Ente Valiant since LAIC – like, since, like, the week or two post-LAIC. I mean, that is a deck that has not even been on my radar at all in this format. Right. And it he smoked me. I mean, Tyler just 
wipe the floor with me. Even the the one granted I dead drew. We both kind of dead drew in game two, uh, but he was able to get out of it a little bit quicker than I was. But you know, in the game one that we played, that actually felt somewhat back and forth. He just wiped the floor with me because he was able to take the one shots where I was not. He has the radiant Charizard, which is obviously a problem for a deck like Moon. There was just all these things that were working against me, and he made pretty easy work uh, of me. And I, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, I think the list looks really solid. And I, th I you know, again, it was two games right that I played against Tyler Matthews, but um, with with Moon. But I, that's a matchup that I'm really scared of I, I would not like to play that in the future again they have a one prizer that can one shot you uh they have beefy uh two prizers so that they can get an entei powered up without damaging or without having damage on it then you need to gouge it you need to put yourself in a vulnerable spot and they can really take advantage of that there's just so many things that work against you in that matchup and i have to give the edge in the moon versus entei matchup to Entei. Now, another deck that I felt I was really scared of playing against, and I barely squeaked out a win, was Turbo Maridon. Really? I, I really think, like, there's some things with Turbo Maridon that they can do that can put themselves in really great positions to beat Moon. Again, we think about Zapdos as that one prize attacker. If they have to gouge, then you can come up, knock out with the Zapdos, and... Maybe Ionos turn the turn the prize trade in your favor, and that can be hard to deal with. Or you just get a quicker attacker than Moon. You opt to go second, and you just get that big attacker, and and you go for it, and and you know win the two 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 prize trade. So that was another matchup that I just wasn't super excited about. And even if you have to take a one prize around the first turn, you have Iron Hands to make up for that, right? Like you could Iron Hands. Uh, potentially a moon you could iron hands their squawk ability that the moon player has on the bench and like it can get really dicey there so that was another matchup that i was thinking about with moon is like if somebody could make turbo maridon you know if, if they feel confident enough in the moon matchup because i do feel like roaring moon will be a sizable chunk of the metagame at least in the short term here moving forward you should have a good matchup into Guardi. you should have a good matchup in the lost zone box so i'm not exactly sure what you're scared of you know you should have a decent tina matchup especially if you can go first chen pao you're not really that worried about i just struggled to see a ton of things that i wouldn't want to see i'm not gonna lie i'm looking at tyler's ente valiant list and this list is crazy it's yeah. so crazy that I love it though. Like it's I the know, kind that's of what it's, I'm good, it's it's crazy. It's crazy powerful. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, there are only two NTV in this deck. There are only three Iron Valiant EX in this deck, and then all the other Pokemon are Singleton. It's one Moltres, one Radiant Charizard, one Metagen V, one Bidoof, one Beaverell, one Squawkabilly, one Spiritomb. That rules. That absolutely rules. And Something that I think is really cool. I mean, with playing the Spiritomb, right? You shut down Galarian Moltres, and you can make it so that your opponent has to gouge you um, if you're able to switch cart your Magma Basin damage, right? You can mm -hmm. force your opponent to gouge you, and then when they gouge you, then you're just like, oh, Valiant, Valiant, like, ping, 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 and then... Yep, yep, yep totally. Which totally. is nasty. I mean, it's just nasty. It's a nasty yeah. deck. 
it seems a little unhinged, but I think that chaotic energy is kind of is kind of fun. Yeah, I mean it it uh, worked really well for him certainly uh, throughout most of the tournament. So, uh, yeah, Ente Valiant, I I do feel like that's a deck that. Uh, players will give a little bit more credit to moving forward. I think especially as you see Gardevoir start to rise, if, especially if you see uh, Lost Box decks start to rise back up uh, in the meta, in prominence. Sure, a deck like Valiant that preys on those little dudes that really hadn't been seen for a while because the meta had shifted more towards uh, the large uh, Stage 1s and, and Basics. Like I, I think certainly that a, that a deck like Entei Valiant can uh, can thrive right now. That's at least something I'm interested in, and I'm I'm also interested in revisiting Marida and kind of seeing how that feels. Yeah. I mean, Cardiffor is a deck that has been painful for me. Uh, I feel like we just haven't clicked 100. percent I lost back to back. No, dude, you just gotta cook with something, man. Like I don't think for you, I don't think you can take what other players are doing well with. You gotta just like blaze your own trail. I think so. I, I, yeah. I'll I'll figure it out. It's Zorobox. We'll get there. Zorobox, listen, I'm the only one in this group that's got championship <laughs> points of Zorobox this season. Well, so. and you're the only one in the group going to Vancouver. So, like, you don't even have to try to come to any sort of consensus with the group. So true. I don't have to. This is the time I could play something crazy. That's right. <laughs> no and strings not even attached. Ha- yeah, no repercussions, no strings attached. Exactly. Well, that's fun. Well, I, uh, I'm very much looking forward to Vancouver. Looking forward to talking with, uh, with you and Jesse about it. And, uh, and uh, speaking of you and Jesse, I had Jesse on for tabletop today doing post rotation, and then I got you coming to the channel, a little old Lacrin this uh, this upcoming week to feature and do some post rotation tabletop testing on right. Tricky Jim. So I'm very That's excited right. about I, that as well. I will say I will not have any decks. I have them all. Don't worry. So so you'll have to build all the decks. I have them all built already. Let's see. What other? I, I need to write my ledger. You know, like um, the very you know when a band comes into town, then they leave their very specific. Uh, they they only want the green M and M's and. Uh, you oh yes, must that. Have, right, you must have X Y Z. Your rider, your rider. That's the rider. Called. Yes, yes. Yes, you'll have your rider ready. Okay. I'll have my I'll have my people pass that on to your people. <laughs> oh yeah, your manager. <laughs> Oh, but boy. yes very excited to get back on the channel uh tuesday is the day that we are that's right. shooting for so should have some good tabletop action if you're interested in that but that is a good wrap-up of kind of what happened here at knoxville i mean we it's so funny because there's just i'm not playing in another regional for the next two months right because i'm not going to vancouver this feels like a very dead period for me probably won't go to cups really i, I just don't see the need to and i don't know i'm ready for kind of post rotation and, and to see what that entails so we're going to be covering that a lot here over the next couple of weeks but you know certainly there are still players that are trying to get ready for these upcoming tournaments so we won't we won't leave you in the lurch by any means here in the next few absolutely weeks. and i will be kind of uh joining you guys you uh who are still playing this current standard format i will be joining you guys all the way up until the nitty-gritty end hopefully for vancouver but uh that will do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Hopefully, you can catch JW and I on Tricky Gym Tuesday. We will be live. That is a, a week from now, uh, about a week, less than a week from now. 
we will be live doing tabletop post rotation decks. That'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a hoot. Jim Twitch channel. Yes, absolutely. You can find us over on X at Real John Walter for myself, at Enjoy Friend for Andrew, and at Tag Team Pokemon for the podcast. But that's going to do it all for us tonight. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. See you.